Welcome back to episode 82 of the Woman of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to talk all things Marvel and more. We are, 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 Today we bring you an exciting science interview with curator Susan Perkins from the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. Enjoy. Welcome to the Women of Marvel podcast where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens, producer. And I'm very excited to bring another female scientist to the Women of Marvel podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, Judy. I'm Susan Perkins, and I am a curator of microbiology at the American Museum of Natural History here in New York. So uh, I actually was able to go to your opening of the exhibit and uh, and play around with the sort of like fun exhibit pieces like that. Why don't you talk about what exactly is, you know, what's the exhibit, what sure. people should expect from it? Yeah, so uh, our new exhibit that I co-curated with Rob DeSalle, my colleague in genomics and invertebrate zoology, uh, it's called The Secret World Inside You, and what it is is an introduction to our visitors of their microbiome, and the microbiome is just that collection of microorganisms, mostly bacteria, that live on our skin, in our uh, digestive system, they're in our reproductive system, and we wanted to really get the message out to people that not only are these things mostly harmless, but they're actually playing really critical roles in our bodies, uh, so we need them. and. How we uh, treat them, including foods we eat, drugs we take, um, s substances we might come into contact with, like whether we garden or spend 99% of our time in a building, really impact those microorganisms and could have impacts on our health. So, uh, yeah, so we developed this exhibit uh, to really teach people about their microbiome, who are the players, uh, and we hope to do it in a really fun way. So I hope you'll tell me parts that you liked about it, too. I, it was actually really fun. Yeah. I think that's the one reason why I love going to the net, to the, the museum and seeing exhibits because it's it's informational and can be high level science, but at the same time, sort of you know for children and families and like easy for people to understand. And I and having that mix, I think, is great because anyone who's either into high level science or you know they just want to go and like play with the <laughs> the like the little like toys that the children's play with yeah. which is totally what I play with all the time <laughs> when I go there um, but I think it's really great isn't there like a giant thing you can sit on so there are two really cool interactive pieces I mean there are several but yeah. the two main ones one is a 14-foot tall woman, so she was a real-life model who came in and, and acted for us. And then our 3D animators and other uh, interactive design team put together 17 different stories, which are all these 3D animated movies about the microbes that are in and on her body, uh, so explaining to the visitors you know, where they are and what they're doing. And that piece has been super popular with kids. Um, they love to stand there, push the sensor button, and see this movie um, show up in front of them. And the other interactive is, uh, it's replicated four times in the exhibit, and it's an interactive game where, where kids and parents can learn how, first of all, foods they eat, second of all, antibiotics they might take, 
and then a third um, chapter looking at Clostridium difficile or C. diff, which is a really nasty infection that's uh, emerging. So they can see how those things are impacting their gut microbiome. And we did a fusion of new digital technology with old school pinball mechanic. Uh, so that's been really fun uh, watching kids and kids and their parents play this. Uh, an opening night for members, we had a bunch of kids playing, and they kind of instinctively know, like, pick broccoli and pick kale, and, and one of the moms reached over and hit french fries, and the kid was like, Mom, you can't eat french fries, you're going to mess up my gut. So I, like, mm, I wonder if that's going to translate back at home. And wasn't there, like, a special exhibit for members only that was all about beer? I remember oh, reading about that. Oh, the fermentation Yeah. That was my favorite event we've ever done at the museum. So uh, our marketing communications folks put together this event with Fast Company when they were doing their festival. So we had six local brewers, plus a cheesemonger, a chocolate maker, um, two folks that make specialty pickles, um, as well as a, a bourbon maker out of Brooklyn. Um, so... I gave a little bit of a Q&A with the, the hostess from Fast Company, but the rest of it was just running around and tasting all of this amazing stuff. It was really fun. Yeah, yeah. I was sort of sad I missed it because I went to the opening and I saw this thing and I was like, I can't go to it. I can't remember why I couldn't go to it, but I was like, well, I, I hope you guys do something I like that again. again. I know. <laughs> we don't need a microbe exhibit to have a fermentation festival. I know. But that's what I love you know, about going to the museum is that you guys are so incorporated with New York City and sort of the surrounding communities that it's such a blend. And, and I think that that's sort of where our, you know, Marvel and the museum have come together in this blend of like bringing science to maybe people who will not necessarily want to know it. And so hopefully those at home who are, are able to go to the Natural History Museum will definitely check out this exhibit. And, and sort of rolling into that, I'm really sort of fascinated with how you got into science. Mm -hmm. Like, what made you, first of all, get into science and also go into this specific field? Yeah. So I guess I'm a freak of nature myself in that, um, you know, I always loved playing outdoors and I really liked animals. And so at six years old, I asked my mom for a microscope for my birthday. And uh, she got me a used one. I don't remember where she found it, but it turned out to be a pretty good one. I think a lot of kids' microscopes you know, they don't magnify very well, and they're kind of clunky, and so you really don't get to see things, but um, it worked really well. It was battery-powered. I didn't rely on that, and so I loved just running out into the fields and grabbing insects and plants and looking at them under my microscope, and so I literally have wanted to be a microbiologist since I was a little girl. Um, I've spent a lot of my um, career learning a lot about animals and their behavior, and then that let me slide into thinking about how parasites affect behavior. And sort of once I started down the parasite rabbit hole, I, I never came back out because I find them so infinitely fascinating in terms of um, how they evolve to, to live in in their host and get to the next host. And, um, you know, we work on genomics of them now, so there's no shortage of questions. So it just keeps me super busy all the time, yeah. It does seem something that's sort of endless that, you know, like, you know, you learn about all these, you know, what, what do you say that there's 7 billion, like... <laughs> 7 billion bacteria on, on your hand right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, when you shake someone's hand, I mean, how much you share. That's sort of mind-boggling. I, I feel like the number game, like, I, how do you even understand that number? And then it breaks down into even more, so that it seems like the science is endless. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we just... There's no shortage of questions, and and I think we actually turned a corner a little bit. I, I would say, you know, several people out there, maybe even myself included, you know, when we got to the sequencing of the human genome and we knew we could sequence the genomes of other organisms, we sort of thought, well, 
you know, it's not that we're done, but maybe the end's in sight. Because once we unlock all of the secrets of the DNA, we'll be able to figure out, you know, everything from what causes diseases to, um, you know, why a certain organism has antlers and another one doesn't. But I think, you know, especially with the microbiome and and how that's opened up the whole superorganism hypothesis that it's not just our genome, but everything that lives in and on us. And then when you extrapolate that to every other living organism on the planet, you're like, no, 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 we're way back. <laughs> it's like <laughs> one and a half again. So, you know, we can sequence our own genome, but we got to do all of theirs and then understand those interactions. And, you know, not to say that that set us back in any way, but I think it's just opened up tons of new avenues for doing really cool projects. So. And this is definitely a field of science that's sort of becoming more popular. I don't know, popular is not the word, but like more and more people talking yeah. with things like with malaria and the Zika virus and all these things. More and more people are, are sort of understanding what disease and viruses and all these things are. And then what's this, this tackle of how we can somehow find a cure or a, defeat them in any way? Yeah, and I think, you know, the exhibit and, and just understanding about the microbiome in general is sort of a, a neat view in that because I think when you realize that it's not just you, that you are this community of organisms, it also helps you put that back out into the bigger environment. So when you realize, oh, I have to take care of my ecosystem, you then can have that place in the broader ecosystem, right? And so a lot of these diseases that we hear about are things that are emerging because we've changed habitats or coming into contact with animals or insects that um, that we previously haven't. So not to say that that, that makes it all a, a rosy picture, but uh, I think it it helps put humanity in a, in a more respectful role, hopefully. We'll see. Yeah. So you've been at the museum for almost 10 years, right? More than 10 years. More than 10 years. Yeah. What is sort of your day-to-day there? What do you do there? <laughs> Besides tweet a lot? <laughs> um, no. Uh, so I wear tons of different hats at the museum, and I think you know that's why I love my job there. So um, sort of first and foremost, I'm a researcher, and my grad students and I work on malarial parasites in non-human hosts. So we study malaria in birds and in bats and in lizards uh, and turtles and bats uh, beyond. Uh, but then I'm also a professor, so we have a PhD program at the museum. We have Richard Gilder Graduate School. Um, so I teach graduate classes and mentor these graduate students, and they get their degrees right at the museum. So. Um, they do everything in our self-contained universe there. Um, and then on top of that, i involved in lots of other education at the informal level. Um, so I've participated with our after-school programs, worked, uh, I developed a card game that actually went along with the exhibit called Gutsy, and um, we developed another digital game called Micro Ranger. So I have this new hat of being a game designer, which is really <laughs> fun because I'm such a board game fanatic. And then, you know, the, the big thing that I just did was curating an exhibit. Um, so that's the first major exhibit that I've been involved with. But everything we do that's on display to the public, our curators vet in some way. So there's always, you know, little ways that, that we're consulted in that format. So. so for an exhibit, how long does something like that, you know, uh, take to, to come to be, you know? Yeah. <laughs> how, how, many, how many hours? <laughs> I could say we, we started working on Secret World about three years before it opened. So we got the green light. Yes, we wanted to do this exhibit. And then in the beginning, it's a more slow process uh, because the museum is opening two major exhibits every year, plus other things. You know, we have... Um, two-dimensional exhibits like our Countdown to Zero or 
or live exhibits like the butterflies and spiders and things that we've done. So the exhibitions department, in other words, is, is really busy. Um, and so it begins to ramp up, and finally at about a year before the exhibit opens, you're really feeling like you're on deck. And once the, the last one um, before you opens, you get 90% of the attention. And it, yeah, so I had a busy summer, <laughs> lots of <laughs> meetings. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's three years, but we put an enormous amount of time and energy really focused on that exhibit in the, the year uh, leading up to it. That's pretty amazing to, to sort of, for, th- for three years to work on exhibit, to know that it's going to come to be, and then sort of ha- see it come to life. And, and especially in, like, the exhibit spaces at the museum are so yeah. amazing. They, they give you such a, a plethora of space and, and technology and all these things. It's sort of, I don't remember exhibits being like that when I was a yeah. child, so. <laughs> no, and it's, it's so awesome to watch, you know, this empty space literally transform and come to life in a matter of a couple weeks because we're pulling down the old exhibit, it all gets created up because our exhibits travel to other venues, and then the rest of it is, has been built. Our interactives team is getting all the projectors ready, um, you know, everything's getting set up, and it just happens crazy fast and you know a few days before it opens you're thinking they're never gonna do this they're never gonna do this and they always do it they always do it so that's yeah. that's good to hear <laughs> yeah. that it gets done on time <laughs> is that that's probably what the press previews are for exactly i mean so. when you have that deadline <laughs> yeah you're making sure you're done yeah yeah and then you you have usually the press reviews are like two to three days before mm-hmm. the opening is so that you have you know you can sort of to use us as testers. Exactly, yeah. See what, see what works and if the pinball mechanism, for example, is going to hold out on our game or if, you know, 20 pulls and this is over. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the exhibit's open till August. Till August, yeah. Um, at the Natural History Museum. Um, make sure you guys go check it out. Um, before we uh, let you go back to being a scientist, <laughs> um, I want to talk about, like, I, I want some suggestions from you possibly for mm-hmm. young female scientists or people who want to get back into science any suggestions for them of how you know what they should do what career paths or sort of a goal like should they go get a microscope from their parents (laughs) yeah absolutely you know I mean I think that's one of the fun things being at, at Marvel that you talk about this partnership is because I think there's so many ways to get into science and you know if if some kids out there are getting into it because they're reading comics and thinking about how superheroes or others might have those powers, you know, and and so many of those characters, right, incorporate science into it, whether it's radiation or mutation or some hybridization concept. Um, You know, there's real science behind that, so if that's what piques their interest, great, or, you know, if they come to our museum, that's great, or if they're watching, you know, Nova PBS and Neil Tyson um, getting excited about science. Um, there's so many different ways to come at it, and I guess the advice I usually give to to young scientists, girls um, and boys as well, is you know just sort of to dive in and identify yourself as doing science because if you're asking those questions and collecting information from the universe around you, you know whatever it's a microorganism or looking at the stars, you are doing science and. You know, you don't have to pass a bunch of exams before you get to wear your your scientist badge. Um, And because there's such a diversity out there, you know, try a bunch of different things. You know, I I thought I might be interested in doing more animal behavior, and then the parasite stuff really hooked me on and doing genetics. But, you know, other people take even wider transitions as they go through their their scientific career. So, um, I mean, I think it's a 
a super awesome time to be a young person interested in science. The the communication that's available out there, whether it's you know on the web or in um, you know brick and mortar places like a museum, is so much more abundant than you know when we were kids. And um, I think the education side of it has really improved too. I mean, I know was, I had this dualistic personality of you know I really wanted to be a scientist, but I didn't particularly enjoy my science classes. But I'm seeing a lot more. Um, you know, cool interactives and doing experiments and getting kids outside now. And I think that's awesome in terms of to shape this. Yeah, and there's definitely, like, tons of programs now at the museum that may not be necessarily available at your school. Yeah. That is, you know, science-orientated. There's camps. There's all these things, I think. Totally. I mean, when I was was growing up, it was all about, like, space camp. Yeah. (laughs) And 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 it's almost back to space camp again, which is exciting on a totally different level, more like Mars camp. Yeah. No, and I love that, you know, adults that just like this as a hobby as well can, you know, log in and watch an experiment or do citizen science, you know, that's become really popular all over too, where you're actually doing science, you know, you, you think you're just collecting a few data points and putting them in a database, but that's vital, so so thanks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I assure you, people here at Marvel are huge scientists. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are always excited to uh, do anything with the museum, so we, we thank you for joining us. Well, it's awesome to be here. Yay. Uh, what's your Twitter for those listening? Um, it's at NYC, so NY Curatrix, because Curatrix is the female form of a curator. Oh. Well, make sure you guys tweet at Susan if you have any questions about the exhibit or science or anything, uh, and uh, we will thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, make sure you guys see the exhibit. It's open till August. Uh, We will check you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe. As always, we thank you for listening. If you have questions for us, please email us at womanof at marvel.com or tweet at marvel hashtag womanofmarvel. We'll see you guys next week for even more Agent Carter interviews. This is Marvel, your universe.